0: On earth, The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affair with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Let's bow in prayer. Father, this is Your Word. We ask this morning... For you to do as you say you will do. And bless your word, the hearing, the reading, the acceptance of this, your word. We know it will not return void. There are those that hear it today and will strive to live in accordance to it. There may be sadly others that hear it and reject it. But Father, your word is not something we can be neutral about. I pray this morning that those who hear, those that listen today, will respond in steadfast obedience. Father, we thank You for the blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that He died on the cross and paid for all of our sin. Father, how moved I am in knowing that I'm a a sinner and worthy of eternal condemnation of an eternity in a devil's hell, but because of your grace, your mercy, that you have lavished upon me, that you have saved me, you have redeemed me, and you do not see me as what I have done, but you see me in what Christ has done on my behalf through the cross of Jesus Christ, having paid for all of my sin, through the life of Jesus Christ, having lived justly, righteously, perfectly. Father, I rejoice today that in Your presence, You see me as one who is not condemned, not guilty, one who is righteous, just, and holy. And that's totally upon the Lord Jesus Father, I pray now that you'll grant to me, as well as others, Lord, the strength, the desire, the ability to live a righteous life. To live a life that fears you. A life that greatly delights in your commandments. That we might so glorify you in this dark world, Father, we thank You that we're able to gather back inside a building. But Father, there's not been anything to hinder us over the past six, seven months from living the life that You've called us to live. Forgive us, Father, if we've made excuses for our sinful behavior, for our carnal living. Thank You, Father, that today we can renew our commitment strong, afresh, we can, Father, enjoy the sweetness of fellowship with you. I pray for those who watch this service and listen from a distance. Lord, I pray that you'll place your hand upon them. And Lord, even in the, in the strange medium of, of Facebook and YouTube and uh, radio and television, Lord, even through those, those unique avenues, that their hearts would be strengthened if they truly know Christ as their Savior. I pray that they would be convicted if they're lost, and that they would believe upon Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Bless now as we focus upon these, your words, and may we heed them and honor them, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. The 112th Psalm is a parallel psalm to the 111th Psalm. Uh, They are very similar. Psalm 111 deals with uh, the the delights, uh, the wonders of God's work, and then in Psalm 112, we have the delights of the wonders of God's word, uh, the obedience to it. And so, really, you ought to read the 111th Psalm as as well in, in conjunction with this, and we'll make some references to it this morning as we... Uh, venture through these 10 verses. They are both Hebrew acrostics, meaning uh, they use the Hebrew alphabet or or 20 of the Hebrew letters, six that are not used a lot uh, are not included, but there are 20 Hebrew letters that begin each of uh, each phrase in these 10 verses, two in each Well, not necessarily two in each verse, but uh, as you go through there. But it's a Hebrew acrostic. And so those are things you ought to kind of know if you study the Word of God, and there's nothing wrong with us speaking to those and and being aware of them. But as I look at the 112th Psalm, and as I sought this morning to say what to say as we gather together again uh, in this building, in this room that has been set apart, sanctified for the purpose of worship. This isn't just an assembly hall. We don't hold political rallies or community gatherings here. We meet in this room for the purpose of worship. And so as, as we regather in this room for this purpose, and I thought, I what do we say? The Lord directed me to the 117th Psalm. <laughs> it's two verses. It's the shortest chapter in the Bible. And, and I thought, I've got to have more than that. And so I, I ended up at Psalm 112 as, as I studied there. No reference at all to 117. That's just where I started and here's where I ended uh, for, for the purpose this morning. And so as, I, as we focus upon this 112 and the blessings of obedience or as I'm calling this psalm in, in my study, this tells us about the delights of righteous living. The delights of living right, do you find delight in living a God-fearing, Christ-honoring life? Do you find joy or delight in that? That's what we find in this psalm. Have you ever done this? I, I know I have quite often, but have you ever... Going somewhere? I, I used to go a lot to to visit folks in the hospital, particularly at Tor, Tupelo Hospital, North Mississippi Medical Center. I don't know why they would ever build a hospital on a hill, but the parking lot in that thing is is miserable, and and they do reserve for fat preachers a place to park down at the bottom of the hill. And so I always make it my habit to drive through the parking lot up close to the door, as close as you can get at that place, and find, see if I can find a spot there. If I do, I say this, and you've probably done it, maybe even at Walmart or other places, and maybe in other ways, but you've said this statement. If you find a good parking place close to the door, you say, well, I must be living right. Yeah, yeah, y'all, am I the only one that does that? I, I guess, I don't know. But... We, we do something and, and we get a, a, maybe a blessing out of it or something good. And we, we think, I must be doing something right. On the opposite side of that, we mess up. You might think, I must be doing something wrong. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, that is a principle that is consistent through the Old Testament. You find it in the historical books. Deuteronomy is very clear to point this out. This simple phrase, obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings cursing. That was true in the life of Israel. As they wandered in the wilderness, they disobeyed. They didn't believe God. And so they wandered for a generation in the wilderness. But obedience would have brought blessing. And we see that minimally at times as they did obey. But at that point in their history when they refused to obey, They suffered the consequences of their disobedience. That is true in our life as well today. God lovingly chastens us and loves us back. But if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a child of God, then you ought to know in your life the delights of obedience, the delights of righteous living. Now, positionally, And this has been said many times, but you need to understand it. Positionally, when you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, that moment in time when you place your faith in Him, you know you're a sinner, you're separated from Him because of your sin, and and the only way that you can be right with God is through Jesus Christ. And you believe upon Him, you trust in Him, you you become a child of God, you're saved, S-A-V-E-D, you're saved. And and when that takes place in your life then you're on a lifetime journey of a desire to obey Him. It's not sinless perfection by no means. We know that because we, we can't do it. We don't do it, do we? But we're on a journey of obedience. That should be the path that we go. There's a way that seems right to a man. That's the wrong path. That's the wide path. But there is a way that leads to death, that wide path. But there's a narrow road that we're called upon to live. And so that, my friend, would be righteous living. Living rightly. Now some have taken this 112th Psalm and tried to say this is proof then that God wants to always give you health, wealth, and prosperity. And it's not. It's not. That, we've said it, Constantly, that it, that's not consistent with Scripture as a whole. And even in this text, he talks about darkness and he talks about uh, uh, difficult matters and, and such. So we know that there are th- times in people's lives as believers that they go through darkness and difficulty. But how can we experience that? What's it look like, I guess is a better way to ask the question. What does it look like? Righteous living. Here is an Old Testament, and in particular a psalm. We don't know the author. Maybe a psalm of David. We don't know. But how can we look at this scripture? And again, the Word of God is our authority. We look at the scripture. How can we see what a person who fears the Lord and delights in His commands looks like? That is the description of righteous living. He begins with the word in verse 1, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. He's using that generically. Blessed is the person who fears the Lord. Blessed is happy. In the New Testament, it would be the Beatitudes. Happy is the man who fears the Lord. 28 times in the Psalms, it has... The word blessed, or it uses this expression, blessed is the man, 28 times. Well, here it is, and it's a beatitude, we might say. And he describes that blessed one. What is he? He's one who fears the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? So many think it's, it's, to, it's to, to be afraid. So many think it's to, to cower. The better word to use here is reverence, respect, honor. The Presbyterian of, of, of old uh, Albert Barnes uh, says that, that the, what's being used here, that he's, he's speaking of a uh, uh, concept of, of, of awe, of respect, reverence. Happy is the person then who reverences, who honors the Lord. And then let's go a step further. There's a little bit more in verse 1. Who delights greatly in His commandments. Who delights greatly in His commandments. A true characteristic of a righteous life not walking around all somber, not carrying the heaviest Bible you can possibly find. The true characteristic of a righteous life is delighting greatly in His commandments. May I ask you, child of God, may I ask you, fellow church member, believer in Christ, part of this body, do you delight in God's commands he uses a Hebrew word in the Greek uh, the the word would be mega in in the Hebrew it's the concept of something large do you largely delight in his commandments take pleasure is the idea of delight too often we don't we think oh it's a burden in the New Testament first John uh, John told uh, his readers that the commands of God are not burdensome. Burdensome. You think it's a burden to obey God? Then, then you're not one who's living the happy life of a righteous person. So what does it look like to, to delight in righteous living or to experience the delights of righteous living? What's it look like? Well, I think he's one who doesn't fear, and he lives rejoicing in God, taking pleasure in God's commandments. That's all of verse one. That's that's the the, the command. That's the or the the description that's given here. Given here. But then the following verses of this hundred and twelfth psalm gives us. The the idea of these fears that have been taken care of. There are a number of things that people fear in life. I find them addressed in this psalm. Five fears that people have. Let's let's look at them. Some 1, the family fears. Verse 2 says, His descendants... The one who fears the Lord and delights greatly in God's commandments, his descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. The one who enjoys righteous living, the delights of righteous living is that all of the family fears are under the care of, of your master. I, I don't know. I, I remember my mother telling me that when when I was a child I was on her shoestrings, but as I got to be an adult, I was on her heart strings. You never get over your children, do you? Unless something's wrong with you, I guess. You 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 have a burden for them. You 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 find yourself at times anxious for them and, and the things that look what the psalmist is saying. He's telling us that, that the happy one is who, the one who fears the Lord, who, who greatly delights in God's commandment. He lives righteously in awe of the Lord, and a result of that is that his fears concerning his descendants are taken care of. We have a, an issue in our nation now, as people are, I'm not sure about the future generations that are outside of the Lord. And I'm greatly concerned for how the church is blending in many of worldly principles and worldly concepts. And that didn't just start with the election of this president or anything else. That started a long time ago. a matter of fact, in the 60s, Dr. Spock, not Mr. Spock, but Dr. Spock wrote his little book and said, Don't spank. Don't discipline. And so we've raised multiple generations of children heeding that advice that you do not discipline. And as a result of it, we've got a disciplineless society. The one who delights greatly in the Lord's commands. What's the principle taught in the book of Proverbs? What's the principle? Spare the... He doesn't say this, but he who hates his son skips discipline. Spare the rod, spoil the child. We've we've raised a generation, but if we will fear the Lord, reverence Him, awe Him, respect Him, and delight greatly in His commandments, then the fears of our families. God help our families in 2020. Parents, commit your children unto the Lord. I won't say there will never be a bumpy road or anything, but commit your children unto the Lord. Mother's Day came and went this year and we didn't have a time for parents to to have the opportunity to dedicate their children. But you know what? Every Sunday ought to be a day that people dedicate their children unto the Lord. You don't have to wait until a holiday to, to bring them forward all dressed up, cleaned up, smiled up, Place them before here and ask the church to pray for you. Every Sunday ought to be an opportunity for families to do that. Commit your way unto the Lord. The descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. You prayed for the salvation of your children. Have you prayed for the salvation of your grandchildren? Have you prayed for them to know Christ and to walk in His ways? We want them to have good grade point averages. We want them to have good statistics in their sports or or to be the first chair in their uh, band or all of these things that we want them to do. But are we burdened for their soul? Are we burdened for them to know a happy life that fears, reverence, honors, respects the Lord and delights, not dreads, but delights greatly in His commandments? Family fears is dealt with when we fear the Lord and delight greatly in His commandments. Righteous living. Secondly, not only family fears, but financial fears. Look what he says, verse 3. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Many want the first part of that verse, not the last part. They want the wealth and the riches in the house, but they don't want righteousness. This verse does not mean that Every believer in Christ will be a millionaire or a, um, you know, I'm a 100 think <laughs> or a dollar heir probably is a better description of it. But uh, uh, what it means is that we'll have all that we need. Philippians 4.25, But my God shall supply all of your needs according to, Christ, according to the riches of Christ Jesus. All of your needs supplied. We have too many wants that are not His wants rather than the needs that He promises to provide. Financial fears. If we uh, we fear the Lord, we can let go of our financial fears. Who is the person that fears the Lord, reverences, honors, respects the Lord? He's the one who gives generously unto the Lord. He's the one who gives generously, and this psalm speaks Multiple times about lending and showing compassion. He's one who cares for the needs of legitimate needs of others. He describes them. Are you such a person? Do you have fears relating to finances? The reason we get into trouble is we disobey the scripture. Paul said to the Romans in Romans 13, Owe no man anything except a debt of love. Yet we won't, you know, we we end up with too much month at the end of money. We won't, rather than having needs met. Trusting the Lord, following Him, living a righteous life means that uh, that He'll drive out our financial fears as we reverence Him and delight greatly in His commandments. Some, not only family fears, financial fears, but there's fears of the dark. Look at verse 4. Unto the upright, that modifies, that goes back to that verse 1, Who fears the Lord, delights greatly in His commandment. Unto the upright, there arises light in the darkness. Have you experienced darkness in your life lately? If not, I want to check your pulse. (laughs) Uh, More than likely, if you're living life, you're going to have periods of darkness. That doesn't always mean deep, dark depression. That doesn't always mean that you're going to be thrown against the wall. But listen, here's what it does mean. Look at 2 Timothy. Paul told young Timothy, All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We want a comfortable Christianity, don't we? Some even this morning are reading this 112th Psalm and saying, yes, that would be comfortable. No fears. Don't read that, my friend. Don't don't read that into this. What he's saying is that when we go through the dark days of life, there will be a light. In Psalm 27, we're told by David who that light is. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Do you lean upon Him in the darkness? Too many people turn to pills, they turn to alcohol, they turn to illicit sex, they turn to, uh, to, they turn to some ungodly counsel of a, of a so-called friend. Rather than leaning upon the Lord, here He's telling us, up unto the upright there arises light. Jesus is the light of the world. In Him there is no darkness. He describes him further. He's gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Fear God and you'll have light when you need it. You'll have guidance and direction. Guidance and direction. I enjoy being able to see. That's kind of a good thing. And especially at nighttime, I enjoy having a light to guide me on a path. Have you? Have you experienced that? You need the illumination that only the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, can give. We're living in a world of darkness. This world is pining in darkness. And so he says that there arises a light to those who are in the darkness. And that person then is described as gracious, full of compassion, and righteous. All oh, The fear of the dark is quelled When you fear the Lord, reverence, respect, honor, and delight, take pleasure greatly in His commandments. The third fear is the fear of the future and change. Verse 6, Surely He will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. When you see the phrase shaken in the Scripture, most often it's dealing with security, or the lack of security. Do you, are you comfortable in your security this morning? He says that the one who fears the Lord, honor, respect, in awe of the Lord, and takes pleasure in or delights greatly in His commandments. the one who does that, he, he describes him as one who will never be shaken. He's describing his security. I don't have to fear tomorrow. Folks, if you find out that somehow or another I fall over dead or I get run over or I get choked on a chicken bone or something like that, I'm gone from this life. My security is not in the life that I lived. My security for eternity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We we see that as a pillar of this church's history, that we've stood on the security of the believer. But our security is not in the believer, it's in Christ. We find our strength that the future, bring what it may. What's your future look like? You may have a lot of questions about that. Some of you may not. But if you have a question about future and change, Going forward, that's a phrase that's really been overused lately, but going forward, what's it going to look like? Are we always going to have to try to wear a mask? Are we always going to have to socially distance? Are we always going to have to... Going forward, what's the future? I really don't know what the future is, but I do know this. There's one thing that is constant this side of eternity, and it's change. And if you don't want to be rocked by change, you better anchor yourself to the one who does not change. The Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says He is immutable. So He says, again, verse 6, He'll never be shaken. Who? The one who fears the Lord and delights greatly in His commandments. Will never be shaken. Do you have that kind of security? Do you fear the future? God says, don't be afraid of the changes that are going on around you or in you. We get older. Don't fear the changes. Trust in the One who is the God of the universe, the Creator. Fear me, He says, and I'll take care of the changes. His heart is established. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Remembrance. This can be taken two ways. Some read that and say, well, He will be remembered for everlasting, for eternity. Others read it and say that uh, 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 this is a truth that is in everlasting remembrance. Uh, You you apply that in, in your situation. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance, not because we... We're certain ones or certain people, but because of the one who does not change. That's the contrast. Not afraid of evil tidings. The last, that is our last uh, fear that's quelled, and it continues through verse 9. But some people have a fear of bad things or bad news. He'll not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. Fear over, I mean, faith over fear. Faith over fear. He'll not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Adrian Rogers said, Do you know that you cannot be a true Christian? without suffering for Jesus. There are evil tidings, evil things. There is bad news that's out there. You may get some before the day is over with. If you turn on the news this evening or tomorrow evening, you'll find bad news. But cling to the one who is steadfast. Cling to the one who will make you steadfast. Trust in the Lord. Again, verse 7, Lord is Jehovah. The psalmist recognized the the, uh, covenant name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah. His heart is established and he'll not be afraid. Yes, you'll suffer as a child of God if you live godly and righteous in Christ Jesus. That's what the scripture teaches. But when you fear the Lord, you don't have to live in fear of tomorrow of the bad news, we think suffering sometimes is common suffering like arthritis or the loss of a job or or, or really horrible things in this life, but the scripture is speaking of suffering as suffering for uh, as a believer, suffering for being a child of God, for living giving witness to Christ, so we don 't have to fear bad news because we are anchored to the one who is. Our rock. This one who fears the Lord and who trusts and and delights greatly in His commandments will disperse. There's that giving. There's that generous spirit given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever and His horn, the horn speaks of strength. His horn will be uh, uh, exalted with honor. He's making a promise to the child of God. How do you respond to that? So what's it look like? What's it look like to be a righteous person? To live a righteous life? To to be a godly person? What are the works of a godly person? Well, basically twofold. He fears the Lord and he delights greatly in His commandments. Are you doing that in your life? If you do, then all of these other fears the future of bad news of financial issues of family issues all of these are quelled as we trust in the lord but then he makes a one verse contrast to the wicked for he says the wicked will see it this goes to what jesus said in the beatitudes or the sermon on the mount he said let let the, uh, uh, the, the world see your good works, that they might glorify your Father in heaven. So he says, the wicked will see. See what? That you're not afraid. That you're not living in fear. That you delight in the Lord's commands. That you, that you are greatly enamored with His commandments. What do the, the wicked see in you? Too often I'm afraid that what the unbelieving, the wicked see in us is no difference from them. We worry like they do. We live like they do. But if you've been born again, if you're a child of God, if you're redeemed from the penalty of your sin, then He's called you to a life that fears Him. Honor, respect, in awe of Him fears Him, and delights, takes pleasure in, greatly in His commandments. They're not a a dread or a burden for us. We delight in His word, His commands. Uh, one writer, Joseph Addison Alexander, passed away in uh, 1860. He was a professor at Princeton Theological Seminary in Philadelphia and in 1860. 18- 64, one of his works on Psalms was was, uh, uh, printed or published. And he referred to this as acquiescing to God's will. They talked differently in that day, didn't they? Acquiescing to God's will. Do you delight greatly in His commands? Acquiesce to His will. He says, the wicked will see it and be grieved and they will gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. John MacArthur says this verse speaks of the emptiness of sin. You know that, don't you? That sin and a sinful life results in emptiness. It results in wasted years. Some here today could testify to that, couldn't you? Of Years wasted because you've you lived in the sin. You, 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 you partook of it. You, 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 enjoy, you delighted greatly in that instead of God's commandments. You say, Preacher, I just don't know that I can live that way. That's a tough. You don't have to. He does it through you. He gives you the strength. He gives you the grace. It's always strong enough. And you can make it. God's goodness to the righteous is described in these verses. In Isaiah 26, in verse 3, it says that God will keep His righteous ones. God will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon Him. The peace of the Lord. Isaiah, The book of Isaiah is full of statements about God's peace. But it also says that the, the ones who don't trust in the Lord, they don't have peace, and they are Restless. The restless ones. Isaiah 48, 22 says, There is no peace for the wicked. The restless ones. Isaiah 57, But the wicked are like the troubled sea, which cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. And they say, There is no peace for the wicked. So you have a contrast and a choice this morning. Which life, Is yours. Verses 1 through 9, give us the the blessings of obedience. Verse 10, the emptiness of sin. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and we thank you, Father, for the convicting power of your Holy Spirit. And even now, Lord, as He deals in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, may we be called to a life of righteousness. Positionally, when we believe upon You, we know we're granted that righteous standing. We're just through Jesus. But progressively, day by day, we are called upon to live a righteous life. You enable us to do that. You strengthen us as we lean upon You, as we feed upon Your Word, and and we are guided by Your Spirit. Lord, I pray there will be a day of resolution in many hearts today to say, I want to live the righteous life to fear You and to delight greatly in Your commandments. Give us that resolve. Thank You for Jesus Christ and that He paid for all of our sin on the cross of Calvary. We're not here trying to even the score. We're not here trying to to do enough to be declared righteous. That was done through Jesus Christ. And I pray today, Father, that we who are believers would live the righteous life, lean upon You, feed upon Your Spirit, Your Word, and live the righteous life, not in fear, but in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.